The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, download their top-rated app, by, and use promo code RTRS. You can play Sixers Blackjack now in the uh, DraftKings Casino. It's wild. Uh, and brought to you by Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of The Process, serving all of Delaware at processrealtor.com. L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged, and Kinetic Skateboarding, get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On today's show, the first half of the season is over. We'll do some grades for all the Sixers. The Ship of Theseus makes a comeback. B-Ball Paul gets hacked. A fantasy basketball controversy. And once again, we welcome, no, we don't. Michael Bivens uh, was supposed to be on the pot again. He is not here. It is a Celtics fucking psyop uh, <laughs> mission to fuck with us. Working. Yeah, it is working. We have to decide whether we have to ban him or not, because I think it should be on the table. Before we get going, we have a brand new video on our YouTube channel that is awesome. Mike O'Connor goes in and basically breaks down how Ben Simmons turned his season around. It's awesome. It's up on our YouTube channel now. Subscribe while you're there. Thank you to Mike. Thank you to CJ, our incredible video producer. And thank you to Body Bio, who sponsors Mike. And remember to use RTRS20 for 20% off your order at bodybio.com. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who never trusts a big butt and a smile. That is Mike Levin. Hmm. I used to. Yep. <laughs> Until today, the first time. Yeah. What a bummer. I will no longer trust a big butt nor a smile. So would you say that Michael Bivens is now banned from the Ricky? After- I actually like C- CJ's pitch to, uh, <laughs> to have him... Come on every podcast and be disappointed every single time. <laughs> right. That sounds like a win for me. So we look forward to having Michael Bivens uh, on, our, on Thursday's pod. Um, hmm. Why don't we start off with this? Because it happened this morning, and then we'll get to some other stuff. It was announced this morning that Joel Embiid will be donating his $100,000 that he will earn for making the all-star team to three different homeless shelters in Philadelphia. Do you have the specific things there? You'd like to? Uh, this is just per Lauren Rosen, who works for the Sixers. Uh, the 100000 donation will provide 15,000 meals, 4,000 items of clothing, uh, care and treatment of 1,000 unhoused individuals receiving COVID vaccines, support for 30 unhoused families, 
funding for a six-week summer camp for at-risk youth and shelter for 300 teens in need, which, Joel, that's great. We love it. The three organizations are Project Home, uh, the Sunday Breakfast Mission, and Youth Service, Inc., and I, I have never been involved with Project Home or uh, Youth Service, Inc., but Sunday Breakfast Mission is a, a great, 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 great uh, Philadelphia charity. I'm sure the other two are as well. So Joel has been very charitable since the pandemic started, and he hasn't stopped here. Just, just Well, shaming the Sixers into mm-hmm. paying everyone. Paying, it, paying their employees. Oh, man, that, that ruled. That was, a good, that was a good time. Yeah. That, that was the time. I mean, like, obviously, Joel knows how important he is, but I think that that was a a good crystallization of how much Joel matters more than anybody else, that he can just bully these, you know, billionaire owners into into doing mostly whatever he wants. It's and he, I mean, he, you know, even his nickname being the process, I'm sure there's still people that work in that building that are not uh, not pumped about it. Uh, too many bad memories, too many... Um, brochures gone awry of season ticket pictures unused, but uh, <laughs> but it's cool and good for good for Joe good for Joel uh, doing this. And it seems like he really, I'm, I mean, I'm I feel like a lot of star players do this. It's, it's not like it's just Joel, yeah, sure. Um, but like it feels like he really cares about the city of Philadelphia, which is cool. This is it. Just shows the the parallels between him and the fans during this in that he is both pro Sixers and anti Sixers at the same time, which Mm -hmm. is what he's doing. You know, what he Mm -hmm. did uh, before completely willing to call them out. And he is, uh, and the, the charitable stuff to make sure that anything that he does negatively is balanced by doing something incredibly positive for the community. I just, I do actually believe he is smart and he always has been very savvy publicly, not in a gross way, but I I think he understands. But I, I actually do, I actually do think he really likes it in Philadelphia. I think a lot of athletes say it, I, I don't want to name names, but and I don't actually believe it. But I actually believe it with him, right? I think my impression of how athletes feel about Philly is like when they're here, it is cool. I don't think it's a destination as far as like mm-hmm. where they're going to go, but it's also not one of the places, Indiana, Milwaukee, Utah, whatever, where they're like, I got to get Oklahoma City, I got to get out of here. Kind of right. thing. I think Philly is like, if I'm here, cool. If I get traded there, cool. But I'm not picking it over, you know, Miami or Houston or New York or L.A. I agree with that. And I, I also think that there are some, the way it is here with the fans and the media and all that kind of stuff, there are some that thrive on it and there are some that fucking hate it. And I think we know the, the lists of both. But Joel clearly thrives on I how think it that is if here. Joel, when Joel sits... Especially if he sits for a long time, like he misses like, you know, a couple weeks or something. I feel like he should be allowed to boo. I feel like he's so close <laughs> to the fans. He would be best. And the like and the like needing to bully the team. I feel like he should be able to sit in the stands and, and boo with other people. That should be allowed and encouraged. You just want him to boo Danny Green. No, I, I, Spike, <clears throat> you're not gonna do this. I like Danny Green. <laughs> he is an absolute lunatic two to three plays a game. And I like him, and I think he's helpful. And I and I was, 
reluctant. I'm sometimes reluctant to to move him in a Kyle Lowry deal, which was the only way that a Kyle Lowry deal would happen. But I am hmm. now on the side of uh, Kyle Lowry is more important, even though I do like and appreciate Danny Green, both the vibes that he brings, the championship experience, and I even like sometimes when he when his brain you know cuts out for uh, you know a, any late game situations when he's loses all control of his arms and limbs and decision-making apparatus. Mike, I'm a master at saying that I like things that I don't like, and I, <laughs> I can spot this from a mile away. <laughs> so I wanted to do, before we have, I, and I wanted to give a compliment to the listeners of the pod. Our email has been incredible all season long and continues to be. There is no way we will get to all of the mailbag questions I don't, I don't think, but thank you for all of them. Keep them coming. They're wonderful. Um, I wanted to say that before we get going. I wanted to do grades for every, the coach, the GM, and the players who have really played for first half so far. I think some of them are obvious and some of them are a little less obvious. I wanted to start at the very top with Maury. And I think for me, the instant grade is you go, oh, hey, he's done a great job. Um, I think it does track back to whether you think he should have done hard, the Harden deal or not, even in retrospect, even with as well as Ben has played. Harden has played pretty well, too. I think I would give him... It'd be hard for me to give him anything lower than an A-, minus, though, I, I think. I, I still wish they had done the Harden deal, um, but the way they're playing and, and what he's done so far and... You know, even the position they are in terms of assets versus the other competitors is still pretty favorable. I think I would go A minus. What about you? Um, it's hard to. He really did like a couple things and then has pretty much sat back mm-hmm. for for now, um, which I think is you know he's been around long enough. I think patience is super important, um, mm-hmm. especially in this position, and and maybe something that. Uh, the previous collaborative regime didn't really have. Um, I feel like Brian had it a little bit, and then it became a let's go, like always at the gas. We're making six trades a year. Mm-hmm. This isn't working. We got to move it on, like that kind of thing. Um, which I think also has its benefits. Like it certainly certainly weren't uh, shy about sh- shaking things up. Um, but I think he, you know, Dow reorganized things pretty much right after he got here and made a couple honestly safe solid picks in the draft and it's seeing it pay off nicely and go from there i think it's i think it's kind of an incomplete because it's just like it's not early there has just not much has been done but i think the sixers are the best team in the east everybody seems to be happy and playing well I, i think it's an a i think as far as currently goes i think that the hardened trade was uh, the one almost it seems, and he's obviously incredible. And people, some people forgot how incredible he was during during the trade talks when he was not playing uh, mm-hmm. as well. But um, I don't think you can blame him for not selling the whole future um, yeah. and every every last asset, including Ben, for for a guy who you know might not have wanted to be here or whatever it is. Doc Rivers, you first. Um. A minus. I think Doc's been great. I think, you know, coaches get credit, coaches get blame for sometimes things out of their control. But 
Everybody seems to be happy, having a good time. <laughs> First in the East. Um, the vibes are strong. Um, he has been, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's coached what? F- this is his fourth uh, head coaching job, and he'll. I think he's been at every place for at least like what four or five years. So he figures to be here for another four or five years. So it's the kind of thing where it's like he's just, he's he knows what he wants, he knows what he likes, and he's I think a little bit stubborn sometimes in in, in what he wants to get out of it. But hard to hard to argue. I think he's tinkered. He hasn't just like gone with guys forever. Like he's he's tried to get rookies in there and and taking them out and all that stuff. I think I feel I feel relatively to very positive about how Doc has done. Yeah, he changes it up a lot, even rotation-wise. I don't. It, we came from a time where everything used to be pretty set, pretty regular, and mm-hmm. it hasn't been that way. I don't think you can give him anything less than an A minus B plus so far. I think if he, if he, if if we have something to criticize him for, I think it will come later this season. You know, I, um, I think that stubbornness. We've seen other coaches. And Doc, Doc in the playoffs as well. But we've seen other coaches like Budenholzer, I think, comes to mind. Stick with, stick with something even when it stops working in the playoffs, and you just don't have time to do that. And I, I wonder if we'll see that. But I, A minus, I think is fine. I don't think you could give him anything lower than that. Um, and B gets an obvious A plus, right? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. I mean that's just obvious. Uh, Tobias Harris. I, I think has to get an A. I, I don't, I, I guess you could say, well, I wish he was shooting two or three more threes a game, but that comes back to expectation. And he has played beyond my expectations so far this year, even though that is not part of it. Just the, the, the offensive sort of want to and willingness to be aggressive. I, He's been consistent. I don't think you could give Tobias anything lower than an A based on what he is, right? Yeah, I would. Look, Tobias, loyal listener, big fan of uh, of me personally, um, <laughs> using me as motivation all the time. Uh, so I would say I don't want him to get complacent. Um, so I'm going to give him an A minus and shoot for a couple more threes per game, letting those things off, keep moving the ball quickly, passing it, you know, take those chances. I look like it. No complaints about the defense. You know that. Uh but yeah, I would like to see a couple more threes get off quickly. But he's been he's been excellent. It's been it's been great. It's been a really it's been a great and mostly uneventful first half of the season, which is yep. extremely rare. Honestly, it's why the mailbag has come into that has been helpful for us because when they're just like play good, you just end up doing the same podcast every time. So I appreciate everyone's. Which I don't mind. I'm happy to do. Yeah. I'm happy to talk about Matisse cutting, opening up a Corkmouth three in the corner. Like I'm happy to do that every every podcast. I don't know if people like it, but <laughs> that's what I get excited yeah. about. Ben Simmons. Uh, kind of interesting. I mean, like he he was uh, struggleish and a little bit lost for the first month. What is it? Month mm-hmm. a, month or so of the season. Yep. Um, and just kind of looked. The defense was there, but it didn't seem like. Offensively, his his role was, you know, something he felt confident in or anything. And uh, since the fourth quarter of that Celtics game, he's been absolutely incredible. As the uh, as Michael Connors' video alludes to, how he uh, adjusted and, and changed that. I I've I've legitimately loved the last however long it's been month of of, of Ben's season. I think it's exactly everything I've 
really wanted from him um, since he got into the league, which is like be a 6'10 monster, um, both in transition, on defense, be as versatile as he is, uh, push the pace, and then also be able to score kind of in isolation and or in the post in the half court. And I think that opens so many things up, allows when, when Embiid trusts him to be able to do that, then Embiid can space the floor a little bit and they can just like mix it up. It's just, it's, it's everything I really ever wanted him. And he has nice touch inside. He's finding his, from like the four to 10 foot range, he's feeling like pretty confident there. It's just, it's been great. I mean, I, so the first half of the season is a, is really a tale of two things for Ben. But as of right now, like I'm giving him current Ben A, early season Ben, like B minus. Oh, I think early season Ben was lower than a B minus. I mean, he was. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I. I think they're still winning, so I guess yeah. I can't. I, can't, I couldn't be too upset. Yeah, I. I'll give him a. I'm going to give him a B, and from essentially the same the same reasons. I just don't, I don't think that. I think he was pretty. I was. We mentioned CJ. I was talking to him beforehand about Michael Connor's video. The, and, um, like, it's pretty simple for Ben this year. Like he was playing, worse than he normally plays until he started playing better and now he's playing better than he normally than than he has played in the past. So I think it was he was a a pretty significant notch below what we have expected from him when he was bad and I think he's been a solid notch above what he has been previously. Um he'd been at times but but this is the best we've seen of him. The only note I would have is that it does seem like the and I know these can go up and down, but the free throw attempts have gone back down for the last five or six mm-hmm. games. They're hovering between two and five. So I, I, think, I think he could be at the line eight times a game like pretty yeah. easily, and mm-hmm. I think he should do that. So, Mike, I, I know you know this because you're a, a markets guy, but the real estate market is booming right now. Sure. You have any comments on, you have any comments on that? Uh, the LA housing housing prices are insane. Yeah, that's fucking nuts. LA is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. No thanks. So, but Delaware, thanks. So, when the housing market is crazy for uh, for one main reason, mortgage rates are super low. So, if you're thinking about buying, now is a great time to buy. If you want to buy a house, the Process Realtor Adam Kasebe is the guy. K S E B E ProcessRealtor.com. Adam was just focusing on the Delaware beaches, but no. He has a whole team now. They're focusing on all of Delaware. So from Northern Delaware, Newcastle County, that's like Wilmington, all the way down to the beaches, he's got somebody for you. So Adam's the beach expert. There are a lot of advantages to buying a Delaware rather than Jersey if you're looking to get a beach house. And now is a good time to do it. Get away from people, have a place to go. Uh, Mortgage rates are low. Delaware beaches are not like annoying and crowded like Jersey beaches. The house prices are way cheaper and property taxes, you're talking about like 10% of what Jersey uh, property taxes are. You, the, the same size house that you would pay ten dollars or $15,000 a year in property taxes in Jersey, you're going to pay $1,000 or $1,500 a year in Delaware. So if it's that, if you want to buy a house in like Wilmington, if you want to sell your house in Wilmington and buy a house down in the Jersey beaches, he'll pay a thousand bucks of your moving expenses. And if you want to get a house anywhere else, if you're looking to finally dive into that booming real estate market, whether it's Jersey PA, anywhere you are, go to Adam. He will find the right person for you. Also, if you want to refinance like I did, Adam helped me out, got me to his uh, refinance team. They took care of me. I'm now got a, I think a 2.75% 
rate on my mortgage, which is like nothing, free money, free money. 302-864-8643, 302-864-8643, or adam at processrealtor.com. The Kasabi team based out of Long and Foster in Bethany Beach, and they cover every square inch of Delaware. Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process. Seth Curry. Uh, I mean, Seth's been okay. Like his his percentages are still really good. Um, he is extremely helpful on the court. I think still the best two man combination on the on the team is Embiid and Curry. Um, as far as like statistically, when they're on the court together, mm-hmm. um, but limited player because of how he's not that fast. He's definitely not that big, and he's not that quick. He's not that. Uh, Quick at getting a shot off, I'll say, um, and so there's times when it's like it's, it seems like that needs to be a shot in the NBA. That is an open shot in in today's NBA, like, and he should be taking it. And I think too many times he doesn't, whether that's like a step in or a side step or just a pass or whatever it is. So it's a little a little frustrating in that sense. But I I think we talked about it last time. Like you're kind of not going to change who these guys are um, inherently as like you know to their core. If they're not comfortable taking those shots, then they're not. They're probably just not never going to do it, but I think he's still been helpful. So I'll give him a, and I think he's been better on defense than we expected. I'll give him like a B plus. I think. I think that's fair. He's you know you have to judge them on a scale of what they are, and Seth Curry is probably a a high level bench player who's starting, yeah. and when that happens, you end up seeing their flaws. And we could want him to shoot quicker all we want, but he's been in the league, what, like six years or seven years. He's not going to shoot quicker. This is who he is. And I think overall he has been a net, a a pretty significant net positive for the team. And he is, I didn't feel this way about JJ. He and Embiid from the mid range and Seth Curry from three now are the first Sixers in a long time have been pretty sure that every shot is going in when they're shooting it. So Yeah. I feel like I feel like Tobias in the in the post right now, I feel if he's yep. even if he's got somebody blanket on him, it just seems like it's going in. That's good I'll call. also say um for Seth, I think that the 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 Josh Richardson trade itself was a was the right trade. Yeah. It, it felt like a little bit just like skill for skill. Like you're we're just adjusting what it's gonna be, but I think it's I think it's super helpful, and I do wonder if if a Kyle Lowry trade happens. You know, Seth's here for two more years after this on a really great contract. I do wonder, like, do we move him to the, to the bench and he becomes that kind of thing? Do you move shake up? Like, what? Yeah. I, I'm interested to see what the next two years of of Seth's Sixers tenure looks like. But he's super helpful to the team, um, and uh, I'm interested to see how it goes. Yeah, I I agree, and I I, I actually feel good because I was kind of like Josh Richardson as a guy. You know, I wanted yeah. him to be better than he was, but he's played yeah. better for the Mavs the last couple of weeks as they've played better. So that's good. I I didn't want him to be some Mavs fans hated him pretty solidly for the first couple of months, and I I didn't want him to have a bad season. So, you know, I like winning the trade, but I did kind of like Josh Richardson. So, and then final yeah. starter, I'll get I'll start off with the grade Danny Green. Uh, veteran presence, uh, great corner three shooter, knows where to be on defense, will eventually hit a game winner, uh, three of them. <laughs> you said three. Three. Uh, hit, played 50 minutes in that, and shot like 75 threes in that game where they only had seven players. He's a warrior. I'm glad he's on the team. A plus. Uh, Danny, sweet guy. Come on. Um, 
I want to, to say that about, about Tobias also, and I feel this about Danny and Korkmaz. And maybe it's just a defensive um, s- defensive strategy and a choice that, that Doc has them make or Dan Burke or whoever runs the defense. Um, they, when, on those pick and rolls, when the, the uh, defenders in the corner like pinch in to help on rollers, I feel like they just drift off shooters too much. And it's like aimless to me. And Danny does it, but also Tobias does it and Korkmaz does it. Like, Ben and Matisse can do it because they can recover so fast. Mm-hmm. But too often it feels like, hey, we're helping a little, but not enough to actually help. Cause and anything. we're just drifting off a shooter yeah. so that they're now open. Like, it just there's this, like, aimless middle that feel like it helps nobody. And I feel like that's something that I want to get corrected. Where it's like, they didn't, there's not, like, a big move that they made to get open. It was just you helped off him too much that wasn't, like, stopping the ball. It was just enough to make that pass available. So that's something yeah. that I want, that, that I'm thinking about. Yeah, like that cheating that players seem to do, not just for the Sixers, that never seems to help anybody. Yeah. You know, like they're always trying to put themselves in a slightly, a slightly better position to make a move that they never make, that they, that they never do. So I yeah, agree and that's that. the thing about like Ben and Matisse is that they will make those plays. And Danny does right. sometimes too. Danny will dig down and, and get his hand on a ball and, and, mm-hmm. and turn somebody over. Um, but that's the thing about Danny, Danny, like watching him like commit to a, you know, turning over. He's done it a couple times. He did it with Cantor in a Portland game. And he did it with uh, Willie Cauley Stein on that on that uh, dribble handoff uh, behind, like when he w- came up behind him and took it from him. I like the like decisiveness that Ben plays with on defense, and I feel like, you know, Tobias and Korkmaz especially are not like defense first players, so they don't have the that like they're they're more reactive instinct in- instinct wise. And I feel like too often there there's just like an aimlessness in there that I would like to like clean up. Yeah, Danny is so similar to Covington defensively. Yeah. Like yes. incredibly similar, and part of why I like him, I, he fits my. I have two types, and and he's one of them. Um, Shake. Interesting season for Shake. He went. It, yeah. It, I like he couldn't miss. He was the best player I've ever seen at the beginning because of just seeing a guy like dribble and shoot into a shot and and score in the half court. It was just like, it was surreal to watch it. Um, <laughs> And also the expectations, like he played last year and then started a playoff game, but it was still like how how many, you know, he had that Clippers game. How real is it? And I think, you know, settling into the sixth man role, even though the shot has come and go, come and gone and been a little bit like, you know, not dependable and a little like concerning um, as far as like, well, is this a Sixers thing type of thing that's going to happen that Shake's going to forget how to shoot? Uh, or is the ball heavier when it gets into his hands for some reason? Uh, I think generally, like, he's going to be a sixth man of the year candidate for this year and for a long time if they if they keep him off the bench. And I just, I, I, lo- I would love to see how Shake develops. Like, I, I do think that regularly he's a good enough shooter and a good enough defender and a uh, very solid creator for himself that I think those skills, le- and, and he's big, he's 6'5", that lead me to believe like he could be a starter in this league for a long time. I want to see how much of a like creating for others he does, which he doesn't do a ton of. Like I feel like I would like to see his vision improve on like kicking out the shooters on those drives. He usually he, he's gotten better at like lobs to Dwight or, or whoever is rolling with him. But I'd like, I'd like to see like him finding guys a little bit more in, in good spaces. Um, but there's also not a lot of shooters out there on the court with him when he plays generally. So it's it's a lot of him get his own bucket. But I, I love Shake and I 
I think, you know, especially the contract that he's on is, is the best contract in the league. Um, and I, I'm interested to see how he develops and grows his game. Because if this is all he is, if he's going to do this and be like a bench scorer and a, and a decent uh, off-ball shooter, um, then great. But I, I, I feel like there's more there. I and agree. I, and I, and I, just, I just love him so much. What, give him a grade for this season. Uh, I'll say A minus. I'll say A minus. That's that's probably a little generous, yeah. but how how good he was early, and then he got hurt a little bit, and still like you know second round pick, um, started his first year on a two way. Like I, I'm still like glowing in how and how legitimate of a player he is. I think my expectations are now high of him, which they've changed. You know, obviously, uh, I because of of the three of the three young guys. Three young quote assets: um, Shake, Maxi, and Thibel. I would be least willing to give up Shake still by a mile. Actually, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think I would have him at a a B or B minus, but only because I think he's capable of more. He does look like he's looking for, and I think this is the fault of the team a little bit too. What exactly his one of the, I think one of the negatives of Rivers seeming to mix up who's playing with who all the time is that, at least for Shake Milton, it was very clear what he was supposed to do early in the season, and it's a little bit less clear now, I think. And I think he gets... Like, when he is doing his get buckets for himself thing and it's the wrong time for it, man, it looks like a, a mess, you know? It looks like he's in his own world... Um, but when it's working, when he's supposed to be doing it, or when he's just sort of playing off ball and hitting shots, he looks great. So I just think he's capable of more than he's he's done this year. Obviously, I don't think he'll be exactly as good as he was for the first you know ten games of the season. But I think that is closer to what he is capable of doing than what it's been you know since then. So uh, yeah, I, and the thing I'll say additionally about Doc is what I love about him is like. He really rides the hot hand as mm-hmm. far as closing lineups go. Um, I think it's going to be Ben Embiid and and Tobias, but those two other spots are really for whoever is playing the best and is needed in the matchup. I think Matisse is always there for defense, but like Shake gets in there, Korkmaz gets in there. Sometimes Maxi has gotten in there, even if it's not just Seth and Danny. I think it's a ni- it's a nice thing that like rewards high level play and I think keeps other guys engaged. Yeah. I, I agree completely. And it does seem, it seems like when you, I, I, I just remember this from talking to Ike, when, when it seems like a player is rewarded for playing well and then held accountable for not playing well, it reflects well on the other teams and on the other players and it keeps like sort of trust in the coach. And I think Doc has done that, you know, I think, uh, and I think it, it keeps everyone sort of knowing that if they play well, they can get back on the court. Even the next guy we talk about, so Korkmaz, you know, was not playing well, was basically scared into playing better and then played better and kept his spot. And I thought that was great. Like Doc said that Isaiah Joe was moving ahead of Ferk. Ferk played better. And Isaiah Joe didn't move ahead of Burke. Uh, Like we'd, we'd have fucking Paul Pierce if Larry Hughes or Larry Brown wasn't so concerned with saying that he you know, <laughs> promised fucking uh, Larry Hughes the the draft pick. So, um, so I agree with you. For, it's the truth, man. Ferk, when Korkmaz has been good this year, he has literally saved games. He's 
Yeah, he has had halves that have saved games. He is the I think he's got the quickest release on the team. Um, he actually made a floater this year. I'm going to give Cork a B. I know that sounds high, and I favor him, but based on what the expectations are for him, even the fact that he has a spot in this rotation sometimes I think is a positive thing about him. So I'm, I'm out of B with Ferk. I'm fine with Ferk so far this year. Um, I got to go lower. I think, I think last year he took a, a step forward, and it's, I think it's hard to argue that he has not taken a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that is just uh, shooting, and hopefully it'll normalize, but he's shooting worse from three, down from 40% to 34.5%. He's shooting worse from two, down from 48% to 45%. Um, I think the defense has improved. I don't know if that, is, that comes across in the numbers, but I do think that I, th- I think he seems to have a better handle on, on where to be and how to, how to get by, even if he's uh, physically overmatched sometimes. But it's it's tough. He's there to shoot, and he hasn't been shooting that well. So I think it's harder to give him anything other than like a C C plus. But there's been there's been hot nights for sure, and I love yeah. I love a hot Corkmans night for sure, and I love the I love the pump fake all that stuff. I want him to succeed. Um, I I'm curious if if they trade him before the deadline just because he's expiring and yeah um it might it might be time to for him to move on. But um, I think he can help this team. I think he could. He certainly has a chance to play playoff minutes. Uh, Maxi, you first. Maxi's kind of a, I would say like I, on the season, I would say not good. Like there has been uh, like on, on, on court, his production has been, I would say poor. And I think that he is rightfully mostly out of the rotation. But as far as they drafted him at 21 and how I project the rest of his career to go, I feel very positive. So I think it's a it's kind of a mix of that. I think he just has a lot to learn and improve. But there's I think there's like a special nature to his game, like a different different kind of like speed plus herky jerky plus like motor is a really good combo. I'd love to see like how his vision improves. The biggest thing is like, will he will he shoot? Will he get to the line? Will he be a willing Catch and shoot guy, um, all that stuff. So I, I think on the season I'd give him like a C plus. He did have that thirty nine point game, which is pretty dope. Um, even in with like four other teammates or whatever. But uh, I would say there's a, like he's rightfully out of the rotation. I mean he's a, he's a rookie and he's and he played one year at Kentucky and he's got a lot to work on. But I, I feel I feel very hopeful for the rest of his career. Yeah, I think so too. He's when he's been good, he's been he's he's shown flashes of what he can of what he can be. And I think based on what I expected, I think a B or a B plus is actually warranted because he's he's he has shown everything that I would have hoped that he was capable of. His play on the court hasn't been anything more more deserving than a C, you know, or C minus even, but um, but I think given what we expect from him, I think it's been a, a win. Like the draft pick is a win. He's valuable. Uh, he'll be a good player if they keep him. He's valuable if they trade him. So, Yeah, and the floater is just like a cool shot. And when yeah. he finishes around the rim, it, he does it in like a cool way. It feels like he just gets to his spots in a nice, in a nice way and then like kisses off the glass and stuff. He, I think he's going to get more foul calls later in his career, but his lack, the lack of foul calls he gets from all the drives he does is – you know, in the short term concerning. And I think that's why he's not playing, but I think he'll, he'll get there. Dwight is, uh, 
boy, I mean, bench players are not always good. I, look, he's a vet minimum. He's been fine at doing what he does. He, I think even with all of his, the things that he doesn't do well, that saying that he's one of the best backup centers in the league is actually an easy statement to make, and I would stand behind that. He isn't perfect for the team, given what Ben is, but that's not Dwight Howard's fault. No one, mm-hmm. you know, no one. He's hit four three-pointers. <laughs> so I, I, I would not feel, you know, if he has, only has to play eight to ten minutes a game in the playoffs, I'm fine with him doing that, honestly. Like, he's been a B for me. I, I, I know he's maddening and he's fucking frustrating, and I, he's the worst free-throw shooter I've ever seen visually looking at it but i don't know he's been fine I, he's been based on what i expected he's been fine i try i do trust him from three more than i trust him from the line for some reason <laughs> i think that's fair. um yeah i mean as a backup center when Embiid's been out like his deficiencies are really on full display um but i think you can say that about most backup centers especially coming in after after a guy who is so much better than everybody else um so I would, say, I would say that he's been okay. There's been good, good pros and cons. There's good and bad. It's a full Dwight experience. Um, th- his teammates seem to like playing with him still. Joel likes him. When he's engaged and doing his best, he is like a real uh, nuisance for the other team. So I think that's the best. I, I would like to upgrade. I would like to – I don't think that Dwight needs to go. I just think kind of what – like the Lakers had the option last year – of, okay, it's not a Dwight and JaVale series. We're going to use AD at the five. Right. And that's an advantage that the Sixers don't have with with uh, with Embiid out because small ball, Ben and Tobias and Matisse just isn't quite there. Um, so I would like to have a second option for when, okay, this isn't a Dwight game. Let's pivot to this. And so whether that's P.J. Tucker or Bielitsa or um, a couple other guys that we've talked about, it would be nice to have that option. I don't think Dwight needs to be like – stricken from the rotation i just think it needs no. to be it, it, there needs to be more versatility uh in in doc's ability to make decisions yeah i agree i uh and i, I we've talked about pj tucker so often i don't want to like or nb elite i don't want to get into it until they, yeah. they actually sign him but there was a rumor again this week and everybody's complaining that he's like his stats are bad this year there's no way that dude wants to play for that fucking team anymore yeah they, they totally. stink. I mean, how many times do we have to do it? How many times do we have to do the thing where, like, the guy is, the older guy is bad and, like, for a team that sucks and just, like, clearly doesn't give a shit and they go to a good team and they're like, oh, my God, this guy yeah. is good still. Like, it's happened over and over again. I have no doubt that P.J. Tucker has 25 good regular season games and a playoff series left in him. I, like, zero doubt that he would be a fine small ball five for the Sixers, regardless of what his stats are this year. Like, there's mm-hmm. no fucking way that he wants to... You want to... Talking about a guy, by the way, who plays so hard every play, he wants to play for this bullshit team that's losing fucking 20 straight games? Like, no. He's the yeah. one guy that's left? No, he doesn't want to be there. No offense to any of the Rockets, but I, I would have no qualms getting P.J. Tucker, um, even given his play. Thibel, you first. Um, tough. I, I mean, it's also hard to argue that his offense has not taken like a little step back um, just because he's, he's missed more shots. Last year, I think he started out pretty hot from three and then, and then cooled off. And he's, not, he's never had that really like hot, you know, couple weeks of 
of play here. Um, but I do think his defense has improved. Uh, you can look at his steal and block numbers. They're up um, year to year. Um, and I think he is just a really special defender. We've talked about it a bunch. And I think that they they trust him in uh, a ton of defense spots. They, they trust him if, especially in the second and third quarter, like if a guy is hot and they want to save Ben for the end with him, they just put Matisse on him and he, he pretty much shuts him down. Like it's happened with a bunch of guys that he just makes guys uncomfortable with his length and anticipation and uh, and ability to contest shots even from behind. And it's just, it's it's really cool to have a weapon like that. It's, re- it's like a really, like he's certainly limited. We've obviously know that, but like it's really like having like a very devastating like lefty reliever that you don't want to put out there against right-handed hitters, but like there's a lot of good lefty hitters in, in baseball that you're happy to ha- when you have like one guy that can, you can be like, all right, shut this guy down. And I think that, that's Matisse. I think it's, I'd be interested, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing if he ever makes an offensive leap, if he can make his game into, now he was a worse offensive player than this guy in college, but if he can make his game into like what OG Ananobi has become offensively, that would be incredible. It sounds um, impossible. Yeah, but I think I think he's a guy that works hard, and and you can see that like developing, like he's cut his turnovers down from fifteen percent to ten percent this year. Um, part of that I think is probably just like trying to do less. But I would I would love to see, um, can that handle develop? Can he attack a closeout? Like he he's had a couple plays where he's guys have the ball swung to him and he's just gone right to the rim. He's fast. He's long. So I'd love to see like can you do a couple more simple things and open it up. We'll we'll see, but right now, as far as lefty relievers go, like it's it's cool to have him there, so you can just sick him on somebody. I'm gonna be a little harder on him. They, I mean, they traded up to get him, and mm-hmm. he's unplay. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna crush him or anything, and I don't disagree with anything that you said at, at all. But they traded up to get him, like, and this is a condemnation of the organization as as Matisse Thibel is still what Matisse Thibel is, and I've said this before, but. As a four-year senior, he scored eight points a game in college. Somebody should have questioned whether he was a capable offensive player or not. And he is he's okay sometimes, but he's basically unplayable offensively. He's the worst offensive player on the whole team. And, you know, you might be able to, to your point about left or reliever, you might be able to throw him in for six minutes in a game of a playoff game, and that's helpful. But he needs to be better than that. Like they, they don't have the luxury of him being like a, a gadget player, I think. So he's he's gotta take a jump to playable on offense. He really does. And it it's nothing more than him getting honestly, I don't care if he does anything else than learn how to shoot spot up threes at a reasonable clip. And when I watch him shoot, it does not look like his mechanics are so fucked that he shouldn't be able to do that like when when he's making shots everything looks fine he looks like a incredibly capable shooter so all i would want from him in the off season is shoot a trillion three pointers and get with a shot coach and make it perfect and then learn when there's nothing there how to move the ball and i think and learn would, about like cool video transitions that he could yes. sort of put into his vlogs that would be cool talk to CJ. i do think that the matisse like watching him visually the three i think it, it seems like there's a, over the last three weeks or so. It feels like there's a m- more confident shooter there. Um, there's some things that have rimmed out. Like I'm not going to parse everything, but it just seems like, you know, he started off. He, he was injured for most of camp, right? Uh, 
he was in and out of the rotation early, and now he's like settled in. And I think the defense is great. I think the you know he's extremely helpful, especially in lineups when Embiid's not in. He essentially plays the like he's the defensive anchor in non-Embiid lineups just because of how much that offenses have to account for him. And so the 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 shooting I think is coming around. I would my prediction based on nothing but hope and uh, my eyes is that. After the All-Star break, Matisse goes on, like, a bit of a shooting run and, like, has a nice nice month where he shoots, like, weirdly 45%. And that's not going to hold up, obviously, but I think he's due for a good month, and I feel like he's put the work in to get there. Two quick ones that I think are obvious, and then we'll get to the rest of the stuff. Isaiah Joe, I'm incredibly encouraged by what I've seen and excited for his career. I would give him an A-minus for what I've seen on the court. He's going to be a legit player. Yeah, totally. I think I, I, yeah. his defense is better than I thought it would be. Um, even though I watched a lot of Isaiah Joe tape at, at Arkansas, um, and the shooting, the shooting is real. He's he's one of the few t- few guys in this team that will just like straight up let it fly. Like he's going to, and he will he will be that person. Um, the question is like, obviously we talk about him getting stronger all the time, but like, is, is there more? to his offensive game. And I kind of think that there is. I think that he's he's got a pretty decent handle. Oh, yeah. I think he's got some decent vision. Um, I think he's fun in, the, in, in, in transition. He can get up a little bit. We haven't really seen him uh, rise up much uh, for, for dunks, but I think, he'll, I think he'll be able to do that. I think there's, there, there's a potential to be like a, a really good player in here. Um, there was rumored that the Sixers were going to take him at 21. Uh, obviously, they promised him uh, you know, three GM regimes ago. Um, but they love uh, fucking promising guys. They do. They really do. Um, <laughs> but I think I think he's good, and I think he'll be if he doesn't get moved in some in some trade. I think he will be a, a part of this team for a long time. And I think if they end up moving Maxi in a in a um, in a, like a Kyle Lowry trade, then I think you'd feel good about well, we're not just like devoid of young guys now because I think Isaiah Joe mm-hmm. is on a on a good on a good contract. Um, and with a, with a decent bit of upside. So I think that would be, you know, I, I'd feel more comfortable doing that because of, even though they don't play the same position, just like having young guys, young wings, young guards that, that are willing to get in there and fly around. I think there's, it's exciting to have young guys with potential all the time. We were doing an interview on Carl Landry Record Club earlier this week, Mootloo and I, and we had a gentleman named Honus Honus on from the band Man Man, and he is a Ricky listener. And we did about an hour on his music. And then at the end, he was like, all right, I have some Ricky questions for you now. And the very first question was, so tell me about your ring. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, didn't you get, did you didn't get your engagement ring from LL Pavorsky, did you? Tell me about buying it. And I was like, of all things, he wanted to talk about something. It was if I got my ring. Now, I did not get Val's ring from L.L. Pavorsky. Val's ring was prior to the L.L. Pavorsky relationship, though, uh, well, that's a, a long story I don't feel like getting into, though I, I have got her 
a lot of jewelry from LL Pavorsky, and I wish I'd got my ring from LL Pavorsky, though hers is uh, beautiful. In any case, if you're getting a ring, don't make the same mistake I did. Make the same uh, good decision that 211 rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners have made. They have gotten rings from uh, engagement rings from LL Pavorsky, even if they didn't want to get engaged. They just felt like it was a good decision to make. Uh, he is a, a great guy. I actually have to drop off something to him this week. I have to drop off those Only Rockets podcast t-shirts that he wanted uh, that he can give to rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners when they buy jewelry. Uh, look like buying an engagement ring. It's a, uh, it's a weird process having gone through it before. You, like, you don't, you're looking at jewelry. You don't know if it's good or fucking even real or anything and it's expensive so going to a guy like ll that's one of our guys that you know you can trust is a, a good thing he does everything by appointment only now so whether you want to do it uh you know on the phone on the internet in person whatever on, appointment only when i'm dropping off the t-shirts he sent me an appointment marker for it that's a true story so i will be the only person there when i drop them off uh, if you want to make an appointment lee at llpavorsky.com or 215-627-2252 or tweet at him at llpavorsky a generous supporter of our charities the providence animal center and coded by kids ll pavorsky jewelers the real story is spike tried to get his engagement ring at ll and ll has too high of standards of clientele Wow. That's the real story. That is a crushing situation. <laughs> that oh is, that's crushing. And finally, Mike Scott, A for vibes, D for on court. He's been better of late, but, and he, I know he's been injured, but has looked like the worst version of himself for much of the season. Love him. Yeah, I, but, I mean, yeah. Had, had COVID, um, been injured, had that knee thing that seemed to linger forever. Yeah. Um, a plus for vibes, legitimately. Like you watch yeah. anytime Mike does anything, it feels like the whole bench is so excited for him. Yeah. Anytime he makes a shot, the bench is like going crazy. Like he's, I feel like he's everybody's guy on the team. Um, I think his defense has been better than last year, um, especially once he's gotten his legs back under him. And uh, when he is wide open, I, I do trust him to take shots. It's just a matter of like he's not a guy that can take shots where he's moving around. Like, he is a really, really very standstill shooter. Um, and so I don't... I think he'll be moved this year, or at the very least, I don't think he's going to be in the playoff rotation. Um, but good guy to have around. It's tough to, it's tough to argue with that. Still feel like he could hit three threes in a row in a playoff game when we needed it, if he had to get on the court. Like, I wouldn't sure. be shocked if it happened, you know? Yeah, in a world where, like, Ben or Tobias is is dinged up or something. Yeah. I, I think that that's right. Yeah. All right, Uh Let's go to the hard to stomach YouTube comment of the week. I actually have two. There were so many good ones. Thanks. Subscribe. Leave us a comment. Smash that subscribe button. Uh, brought to you by Kinetic Skateboarding. I think this is the first week in like four weeks that I haven't bought something from Kinetic. I mentioned the the gear that they sell is awesome and it's getting warm outside. And if you want skateboard stuff, obviously, they're your spot. They also get these, I've mentioned this before, they get these sort of like limited run of every brand shoe. And they get the Nike ones all the time. And they always post them on their Instagram. And I always feel bad for Ben from Kinetic when they do these raffles for these Nikes because I know the people are maniacs. So I wanna give credit to Ben and Kinetic for dealing with maniac Nike people as they do the raffles. Uh, use promo code Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order at kineticskateboarding.com. This comes from Riddles Ugg the hard to stomach YouTube comment of the week. 
I just got to know, is Mike a stoner? It's mm. in the eyes if he is. But he's always just got that laid back and really tired looking all the time then. Then I retract my possible insinuation. But history is littered with funny guys that have a history of substance and mind-altering compounds which worked in their favor. Love to be a fly on the wall sometimes. I get a good chuckle almost every pod. When I first got into the Sixers in 2016, I started by going back to your first pods all the way through current, got your merch and wear it proudly. Cheers, by the way, from way, way out of the Outback. Do not change. Cheers, guys. Uh, no, I don't. I don't wake up on a weekend morning and start smoking before I do this podcast. <laughs> I think I do not look at the video as it's happening. Right. As sort of a conscientious objector to having to be on screen, so I mm -hmm. my effort level is very low on uh, for the for the fans on the YouTube. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm just looking at my computer. And I think maybe the something about like the streaming situation makes my eyes look like I'm high, but it's uh, it's not happening. Sorry. Well, I wish I was. I think it's also this year. It's a combo of the hair, and the hair. Yeah, the hair stuff. The and hair, the hair definitely adds to it. And it's earlier where you are, so if you you're like slower as the podcast starts, there is like just tired mic can sound like high mic. So yeah, and I and I generally have my eyes don't open much generally like I when I smile for pictures like my eyes are like very squinty um and so I think I just don't open my eyes very much at any time I, I could fall asleep at any given moment I really want to pr present that uh that possibility to the world that I if I if I'm just barely hanging on F funny story I don't think I've ever told this a year and a half ago maybe two years ago I got a medical marrow I've, I'd only smoked marijuana one time ever once on my honeymoon. And I got a medical marijuana card. I was like, oh, this is fucking easy. But I'll try this. That way I won't drink. It didn't last very long. I didn't like it, but whatever. But the three or four times I've ever been to a dispensary in Philadelphia or the suburbs, I won't name names of the places. They were all great. Every person I purchased from, everything was like very normal, and then at some point they'd go, hey, love, <clears throat> excuse me, hey, love the pod. <laughs> and I feel like, oh, no. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's great. And like, there's nothing shameful about it. If you want to do that, go ahead. But I do think it's funny. Like you walk in there and you do feel kind of nervous and you're like, all right, I'm anonymous here. And there's always like the fight clubbish head nod. Love the pod. The last one I was at, it was sort of a, it was during the pandemic. So it was a, you would curbside pickup. And the guy came over, brought me my change, and he's like, hey, man, love the pod. <laughs> oh, God. So shout out to all those guys. Yeah. I've never, then, been, I've never been high for a podcast, just the muscle relaxer after I got smushed on the court. That's the only time. Did I ever tell you that I was once and I, like, I, I lost concentration? I get that feeling sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I'm talking and, and I, you ask me a question. I'm like, I think I just said that. Maybe well, it's high. It was, it was <laughs> only one time I, I was like... Because I used to like to have a drink when I was doing it. And I was like, ah, oh, all these calories. I'll try, like, weed. And you were talking. And it was this feeling of if I heard what you were saying and I was concentrating, but none of the words were landing. And you finished. And I think I made pretend there was something wrong with the connection <laughs> because I had no idea what was going on. Uh, 
the other, I'm done with that, by the way. I don't like how it makes me feel. Again, no offense to anyone who, who does. And the other YouTube comment, just because I thought it was good. I told my brother, a casual Sixers fan, this is a bleed orange 2332. I told my brother, a casual Sixers fan, that he should listen to the pod this morning. Uh, and I'm only just now realizing how impossible it is to recommend the show when it starts with, quote, an update on the Mike Dream tattoo with AI Dawkins and Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, a few random things wanted to mention the, I've never seen WandaVision. I'm told that it's a Marvel show is what it is, right? It's a Marvel yeah. universe show. Very popular. But in the most recent episode, we got a lot of tweets that there was a ship of Theseus mention. And most of our listeners who mentioned this learned of the ship of Theseus from thought experiment from the Ricky from when we talked to Sean Carroll five years ago. So just want to. I don't know if do you watch that show? Uh, we actually started it last night, uh, okay. so I haven't gotten to the ship of Theseus reference, but uh, it is it is funny to imagine that we're educating people yeah. by accident on like one thing. People yeah. have learned like one and a half things from this podcast. Yeah, it's ship of Theseus being one of them is very funny. Would like to give a shout out to whoever hacked Bball Paul's Twitter like four different times to sell PlayStation Fives. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned yesterday. I think his password is probably Bball Paul. I mean, I don't know how it. I don't know how it happens four times, but uh, there there is a very good chance that Bball Paul is the MVP of the G League this year. He's um, played great, and the 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 Blue Coats are winning again. They've won. They're three winning. In a row. They're in the playoffs. They're going to be in the playoffs. The uh, he's getting just like double doubles, blocks and steals. His the shot still looks weird, but it's going in at a. Pretty good clip. Um, I also love Ray John Tucker and 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 would love to see him make it on this team next year. Um, but yeah, Paul Bball Paul, man, good for him. I, that that might be the answer to backup center in the future, yeah. which is which is very exciting. And then the final thing I wanted to ask you about in, in regard to these things, and we'll do a couple of mailbag questions. Is so we've mentioned before. I used to be in the. Um, what's it called? It's not called Legacy, the Fantasy League that you're in. Uh, exactly. Yeah, the execs league. And you, you know, like you carry year to year. And I was in it for, I think, two years. And in my last year, I won the championship as an owner with legs as my GM. And I, I was a real dick at the end, mostly because I was furious that they had the exec of the year voting. Legs did not get one vote and beat all three people who did get votes in the playoffs. I thought it was insulting. I left after that. But Legs has stayed in the league. And Legs told me there's a little bit of a trade controversy going on. There always is. There's <laughs> always something. I, I. And Legs um, has been involved in, there's been <laughs> three, three, at least three big controversies, fantasy <laughs> trades, and it's always Legs. It is legitimately always Legs. There's one with me. There's one with this other guy. Uh. And then, and then Legs traded, like, his whole team and, like, you know, members of his family for Russell Westbrook a couple of years ago. It was, like, everything. It was picks. It was cap space. It was really <laughs> Everybody texting about Legs all the time. I'm like, oh, my God, Legs. You see this Legs trade? Jesus Christ. I would so, just like to guy, say. guy just, you know, a very, you know, very, very low-key guy to generate so much controversy. He loves making trades. He just loves making trades. I would say this. I've been in fantasy leagues where people are like looking to reverse trades because they're unfair. The only way that that should ever be done is if you can, if you 
legitimately suspect that there was funny business between the two people. But it does not seem like there was funny business in this one. Legs just took no. advantage of a new owner. <laughs> yeah, he's my friend Trevor. Um, I think it's, it, there's a learning curve in this league. Yeah. And it was, it was at the trade deadline. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. If they fucking reverse the trade, I'm going to make this an issue. They can't reverse the trade. Talk to John. Oh, fuck it. That, that league. Anyway, a um, couple mailbag questions. Writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Writes to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. One basketball, one non-basketball. From Liam. Am I off base, or did it seem like LeBron and KD picked teams similar to both of your tastes in basketball players? LeBron went with playmakers like Luka, Joker, and Giannis, while KD went with scorers, Embiid, Levine, and Harden. They even both made sure for Gobert to go last, which was incredible. By the way, there could have been 100 fucking more players to pick from, and Gobert still would have gone last. I feel like Laker Mike would have drafted a team either very close or similar to LeBron, and Spike would have definitely drafted a team close to KD's picks. One caveat being Spike, I hope, would not have taken Kyrie first, but Mike definitely would have never drafted him regardless. How do you feel about that? Um, it's interesting. I, I do think that uh, KD drafted more of a team. LeBron just kind of drafted, like, all the, like, generational players a little bit. Um, but also, like, you know, Luka, Luka, Jokic, Giannis, Steph, LeBron is just, like, an insane. It's, it's not a lineup that, like, goes together. But it is just like an insane group of people to to put on the team. It's, it, I as much as I don't want the the Oscar game, like probably shouldn't have happened. Um, it is like, you know, it's going to be cool. It's, if if they if they play hard, if it's an Elon mending, hopefully it's fun. Covington and the skills challenge could be cool. Um, mm-hmm. LeBron taking Ben every year is cool. LeBron never drafting Embiid is notable. I would say. He well, never I had always Embiid. said there's CAA clutch stuff and. Sure. There definitely is, you know. Is is Booker a clutch guy? I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I do, but I, obviously the Jazz, everything that's happened with the Jazz over the last couple of days has been great. And I'm not like, I, I don't have, like, I've, I love Donovan Mitchell out of Louisville. Uh, I don't have ma- massive issues with Gobert. I think Joe Ingles rules. I think Conley's. It's cool that Conley's getting a shot. I'm a big Boyan, Bog- Bo- Boyan Bogdanovich is yeah. awesome. Yes, it's a fun it's a fun team. But like, and I think Quinn Snyder is like a maniac in like a fun way. Uh, but and like even like a Clarkson reclamation project, like I, I respect it. Like a guy doesn't miss mm-hmm. a shot. Um, and I, I've always loved George Niang uh, ever since Iowa State. But like, man, that that team and the fan base. And now Donovan Mitchell being like the, the like the rookie of the year thing with Ben was always so stupid. And then now, now they won. It's just like, he's saying that they won. Like, come on, man! What are we doing here? That's you're embarrassing yourself. You're the best. You're, you guys are the best team in the league right now. Like you don't have to be. There's not like a friggin' conspiracy out to get you. Everyone's fucking looking for a conspiracy about themselves. You're the best team in the league. You're fine. Chill the fuck out. Yeah, uh, you know Donovan Mitchell was I high on my. I didn't answer the question. I kind of went. I kind of went all over the place. Don, well, that's that's your thing. Uh, there you go. Donovan Mitchell was high on my YouTube big board. Um, Rudy Gobert is an absolute fraud. The Jazz have zero chance of winning the championship, and they're both, to to your main point, embarrassing themselves. Like the refs are not do not give a fuck about the Utah Jazz. Like you are not the like the the fucking. Uh, 
the bad boy Pistons or the fucking Raiders in the 80s or something where the <laughs> officials or the, the Broad Street bullies where the officials are out to get you. You sound like fucking yeah. morons. Nobody yeah. cares. I mean, you have an offense, like, they're calling out, like, foul disparities. Like, you have an offense built around, like, swinging the ball around the perimeter and taking threes. You're not going to get to the line as much. And your center is not a guy who's, like, making moves inside to get fouled and get to the rim. Like, it's not happening. That's, that's why you're not getting fouled as much. It's successful, but don't just start crying to the refs because they're not calling fouls when it's like, yes, you're shooting threes. You're shooting the most threes. What are you doing? Yeah. They sound like fucking morons. I, I just, it's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. I, <laughs> this idea that there's this conspiracy against white people. Yes, yeah. everyone hates Utah, finally. Yeah. It's, it's being seen. Come on, get over yourselves. Yeah, please. A um, couple more. This, there's no question here. I just thought you needed to hear it. We've gotten a few of these recently, like people that have grown up with the pod, but this one takes a very disturbing turn. Hey, Spike and Mike, my name is Dylan. I started listening to the pod when I was around 15. I'm about to turn 21. Mm. About five years ago, I won tickets to a charity event on WIP. Me and my older brother showed up in Eagles t-shirts just to find everybody there in button-down shirts and dress <laughs> pants. Then, then, we saw, then we saw you walk in and made sure you knew that you could indeed leave it to the Ricky fans to be underdressed. Since then, I've lost girlfriends, friends, and beloved Sixers, but the Ricky has always stayed. You could say the Ricky has grown up with me and is one of the only things that has been here the entire time. With that being said, you have no idea how bad I want this tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) I'd offer to pay toward the charity, but I'm a broke college student making enough money to pay rent and eat pasta every night. But I will do something absolutely ridiculous to have Joelle Dawkins... AI, J. Roll, and of course, Ruth Bader Ginsburg enshrined on my body forever. And believe it or not, it probably wouldn't even be my most ridiculous tattoo. I mean it. I will do something ridiculous, and I don't care what it is. I'm sold. He got the, he got the sale for me. I'm fine. I'd give it to him. Well, can I, can I explain that? He's offering to do something ridiculous in addition to getting the tattoo. Yeah, I think the tattoo <laughs> itself is nice. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Dylan, we have... I wish tattoos were easier to do, took less time, and less expensive, because I would love to give them to the 10 or 15 people who have volunteered for this. It's just 10 or 15? Oh, easily. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's just impossible. There's not enough time. It's, it's like Tim, the guy, Tim Pangburn, the guy that we're doing it, who owns Art Machine. I don't, I don't know exactly what he charges anymore, but you could say that a, a tattoo artist of his esteem could charge anywhere from like 200 to 400 dollars an hour like this is a and this tattoo is easily three hours so Jesus. yeah so this is not like a cheap thing we, can, we and i don't have like an army of 10 tattooers who are there just to all do the same one so we'll figure something out and finally from nick salutations my favorite podcast duo a listener suggested a couple pods ago that the Sixers should maybe maybe trade danny green for a longer term contract as to not lose the salary for trade purposes um you guys suggested oladipo tucker now kyle lowry what would you think about trading uh green ferguson bradley and several seconds for eric gordon and pj tucker gordon's contract is pretty rough four years yeah. 75 million but the last year is only guaranteed if his team wins a championship, which is interesting. He'd be an offensive upgrade over Danny for sure. And given what we've seen for Fertitta, getting off that money owed to Eric Gordon would be a major plus for them. I think it improves the team without giving up significant capital. Um, what do you think? Well, it's interesting. I mean, 
Daryl signed him to that contract. Right. So at least part of him, it's an interesting clause. I didn't know about the championship uh, guarantee <laughs> clause. Um, I like Eric Gordon. I always have. I think he um, is it like a total gunner from three. He's happy. He takes it from deep. He stretches the floor, all that stuff. And I think he's... Um, Thick and serviceable enough on defense where he can he can switch in in the playoffs and and kind of hold his own against whoever. Um, and I like the occasional uh, offense that Gordon gives you as far as like off the dribble, like mm-hmm. getting to the rim type of thing because he's because he's so tough to get around. That contract is is bad, um, and I think that the uh, I think he'd be a good fit next to Embiid and Simmons. Um, and, and Tobias, but uh, I do wonder how much Houston is willing to deal with Daryl. Like it, it didn't just go away in the in the Harden trade. I think there's still bitterness there, um, and I I can't imagine that there's a a Fertitta trade that he would do with Philly that isn't like such an out and out win for Houston. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like he'd be very uh, self conscious. About like anyone perceiving that he could have lost the trade to Daryl, and so I feel like it, it might just not happen, which is uh, I guess also a concern with with PJ Tucker. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. I think I love Eric Gordon, and he is sort of the consciousness shoot from far away three point yeah. shooter they could, and he is to point like he's a a pretty good ball handler. Man, I wish people. I wish we could go back to the first couple of years of Eric Gordon in LA. He was fucking awesome. Um, yeah, and I mean, and New Orleans, like he he ever yeah. like first career, he's he's like he's been like seventeen to eighteen twenty points a game, like every like every year, shooting like a ton of volume three. The last last five years, he shot uh, seven to nine threes per game, um, and from far from, away, and from very deep. Like yeah, that that's the thing is that the last two years. Eric Gordon should be like a 40% three-point shooter. He's only broken 40% once in his career. The last two years has been 31.7 and 32.8. Like, that's mm-hmm. low. That's, yeah. like, very low. It might be because of degree of difficulty, but, like, one of those years he's playing with James Harden, and so, like, you got to imagine some of those shots are good. So, I don't know. He might just be – he might not have as much lift in his legs or something. I don't know. But, like, he should be, he should be shooting, like, 38, 39, 40% from three, uh, even on that volume. And so maybe there is just like a like a, a deadening there uh, happening. But I think he's up to, interestingly, and I wonder if this is like a not playing in D'Antoni's offense, he's shooting a career high from two this year. <laughs> 58.4% um, on twos when his career average is 48% on twos. So I don't know if he's if they're if they've opened the court up a little bit for him and he's he's scoring a little bit more. I'd be interested to dig in the numbers. I, I truthfully haven't haven't watched him a ton this year. Um, but I, I I'm I'm intrigued by it and and in a world where Lowry would cost a lot, I think Eric Gordon wouldn't cost a lot because of the contract. And yeah. his, his his contract timeline is already with like locked in with Tobias. And so I think there's there's value there in in and if you can't get Lowry or you don't you're not willing to get him for that much more to move Danny and stuff for, for Eric and, and think like we got him for a couple of years and here's the core type of thing. I'd be interested in that. Non-basketball question. A friend of mine recently said to me that spoons are far superior to forks. I've given this a lot of thought. While I use forks more often than spoons, I think the spoon does have a sp- far superior v- voru, value over replacement utensil. 
You can replace a fork with many things, eating a steak, two knives, eating pasta, chopsticks. Honestly, the hardest thing to eat without a fork I can think of is spaghetti. You'd probably just opt for a different pasta, but without a spoon, you'd be royally fucked. What are your thoughts? If you could only have one for the rest of your life, spoon or fork? Um, I would agree spoon. I, I can do, I can do normally fork things with a spoon. Um, and sometimes I choose it because we weirdly, we really like lose forks all the time. Hmm. We're sometimes we're somehow down to five forks, which is really tough. Like one, if we if we're having fork 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 meal for th- three meals a day, then we're somebody's got the raw end of it at the end of the day. Wait, you um, haven't gone anywhere. But where are the I forks know. going? Yeah, I don't know. But it's been years. It's been years of losing forks. I have no idea what's happening. I think Alyssa might be throwing them away as it's from some sort of some sort of prank. Um, but we have, we have five. Um, and then if we get new ones, it's like, all right, now we're going to have 12. Like we're going to have 12 forks. We're going to have the most forks anyone's ever seen. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, but I do think, yeah, spoon, especially for, like, soup and cereal and that kind of thing, is, is more necessary than a fork is for, like, even, you know, if you're, cu- if you're making, like, chicken or whatever, you can use a, get, gra- grab a Brussels sprout, chicken and Brussels sprout and a spoon, you're fine. Mm-hmm. I agree yeah. with that. Uh, actually, last one from Hunter. Uh, hey, Spike and Mike, longtime listener of the pod. Thanks for yada, yada, yada. Non, I just like this non-basketball question. Only I'm curious whether you have an answer. What is your favorite conspiracy theory of all time? You don't have to believe it, but that would be a bonus. Do you have one? Um, not not generally a conspiracy theory guy. When except when it comes to the Sixers, um, mm-hmm. and I think I've said this before on the podcast before. But the I'm I'm like intrigued by. Not even intrigued, but the and, and not enough to do any research at all. The lazy, the laziest amount of intrigue to be like, why haven't we been on the moon again? That was like the night. That was the mm-hmm. late sixties. What are we doing? We're not getting back on the moon. So, so I can't funny. believe we are simpatico on this. I'm a, wow. a little bit different, but the conspiracy theory that I like the best is the one that I wouldn't say I believe, but I don't not believe it. Is that we fake the moon landing? Here's the only reason I think it is, the reasons I I believe it to be possible. One, it was a huge fucking deal for us to beat Russia to the moon, like an enormous deal. Um, And our technology was not as good as theirs. Two, it would be pretty easy to fake because there's no fucking internet and people, you just put it on TV and people buy it. Commenters below just yelling fake. Yeah, (laughs) right. Um, And uh, I don't, totally not agree with the idea that Stanley Kubrick did it and was sort of admitting it in The Shining. <laughs> yeah, here, my argument is that like any conspiracy, like there's so many like horrible things that this country and many other countries have done that are not conspiracies that are just like this happened. Yep. Um, that like a conspiracy, the idea of like people keeping things a secret and being unable to like talk about it, like I just don't think there's that many because people love to talk and love to say right. shit, and eventually things break. Like that's that's why I'm generally anti anti conspiracy theory. Also, because yeah. some of them are, are obviously highly damaging. Yeah, I I agree with you. I there's just something about the moon one. I just, no, I, I, I'm there. Like I'm with you a little bit, but then I'm like, yeah. eh, I don't know. Whatever, it's probably fine. Well, I, you they're they're apparently building. Like their goal now is to build an entire fucking working space station on the moon. So we'll see what happens. But you're right. Uh, All right. Well, thanks to uh, Michael Bivens um, for his uh, appearance again. (laughs) Another another great one for Biv. Uh, Uh, My episode of Young Rock Tuesday. There you go. Eight o'clock. 
We're sure. NBC, written by Michael Levin and Patrick Kang. It is the first episode in the Miami timeline, so there's a lot of football in it. There are, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but whatever, uh, Michael Irvin is in it. Not the, oh, cool. The, an actor playing Michael Irvin. And then there's, yeah. a, I'm pretty sure, I don't know who they end up landing on, but I think there's also a, a uh, actually, I'm not sure. There, might, there, there used to be a basketball commentator also in it. Um, hmm. But it's a cool, it's cool. It's University of Miami. It's The Rock. It's fun. Uh, it's a cool show. Uh, it's on Hulu and NBC.com and say your DVRs and all that stuff. And uh, get those Philadelphia numbers up for me once again. Yeah. Uh, well, the Mike episode is the one we always want to do the best. So Tuesday on NBC or set your DVR for series recording. As Mike that's said, right. that's the easiest way to do it. Also, All shout right, out we... Daryl Morey for uh, getting the vaccine. He just posted it this morning. It's done. Oh, congrats, Daryl. It's very exciting every time anybody gets a vaccine. It makes me very happy. And uh, we're closing in on not not being able to having to do this anymore. So I can come home and me and Sixers Adam can beat Derek and Rich at basketball in front of a crowd of people that are not having a very good time watching mediocre basketball from reporters. I, the, the you getting on an airplane would make me happy, honestly. I would be for sure. thrilled for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, stay safe out there. Um, we, we won't talk to you until Thursday, right, after the Bulls game. That's when we'll be back. So um, enjoy the All-Star game. Uh, Joe, Ben, don't get hurt. Um, are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know Lickface. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Time for playing